0: Boston Celtics training camp is underway and the C's are locked in for the crucible ahead. What does Drew Holiday think about wearing a Celtic uniform? And hey, is that Paul Pierce shooting jumpers over there? We discuss all the optimism in the Auerbach Center and what Marcus Smart said to annoy Adam Silver down in Memphis. It's time to chat Celtics. The door is wide open. Come on inside Lucky's Lounge and let's talk about it. Let's go. Brad Stevens never thought he'd see this day, but Drew Holiday is a Boston Celtic. What a time to be alive. Captain Ron Flanders here joined by Guillermo Diaz. Guillermo, Brad Stevens said he'd been asking Danny Ainge to get him this guy for years. He's finally a Celtic, and the energy has shifted in Boston.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Energy is completely shifted. All the chips are in. We are going for it this year. Uh, The mix has been mixed up with moving pieces out that have been here for multiple years and bring in people, uh, players who are dogs that are willing to go get it and have already won a championship, and uh, let's put it all together.
0: You know, we've had a great team the last couple of years, and for the last four or five years, even from Jason Tatum's rookie season, the Celtics have been in it every year, and they've had no shortage of star players. Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, and others. And yet, it does feel different now, Guillermo, and the Celtics are talking about this. Drew Holiday had his first practice today at the Auerbach Center, and afterwards, everybody was just outright giddy. Steve Pagliuca, co-owner of the Celtics ownership group, said that Paul Pierce told him that he had never seen in his entire NBA career a practice where guys went as hard and as long as they did today it really does feel like a transformational acquisition for the Celtics and I don't want to overstate this or put too much on it but it's kind of like when Kevin Garnett came to Boston Guillermo.
1: Yeah I mean from all the interviews that I've seen uh, from media day and uh, the training camps I mean, there's a buzz, there's a feeling. Um, and it like you said, it brings me back to those 08 vibes. And for me personally, this is the most excited I've been probably since. Uh, we've made those trades to bring in Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett, and now Brad has made trades to bring in Porzingis and Drew Holiday. Like, I mean, it's almost similar to that year. We don't want to, you know, put any jinx on anything, but I'm ready for, to see this team go go deep in a playoff run.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's, you know, one game at a time, yes, sir. Let's yes, Let's sir. not get. I mean, I'm I'm getting nervous because of some of these feelings of nostalgia that I'm feeling right now, yeah. especially the fact that Paul Pierce was in the building today, and we'll talk about all of that in a second. But first, let's get to Drew Holiday, and today he addressed the media for the first time as a Celtic, and he talked about how welcome he f- was made to feel by none other than Joe Missoula and the Celtics coaching staff. Let's listen to that.
2: All the coaches, right when I got traded, Joe was the first person sending me clips and what to do on pick and roll defense or uh, how to run the offense and things like that. So it's been very, very welcoming, and i um, really just glad to be here, a part of this championship caliber. Group and not only that, um, what this stands for. I mean, a Boston Celtic, and again, growing up uh, in LA as a Laker fan, I know a lot of my family's probably hurt, but (laughs) but I know this is a blue collar town. Um, They love people that work hard and they put their heart into it, and that's just the type of person that I am. Is every time I step into the court, uh, I give you my everything,
0: Guillermo. No surprise that Joe Mazzula getting ahead of the game, sending him clips, and getting him kind of on the plane to Boston more familiar with the Celtics' defensive sets and everything else. But this, this soundbite by Drew is music to my ears because not every player understands how special it is to play in Boston until they get here. Especially, you know, if you've played in other cities, you know, if you're Danilo Gallinari and you've played in Atlanta and New York and Denver or whatever, but you get to Boston and you understand – just spending a few games in the garden, what it's like drew holiday already gets it. He's talking in there about the blue collar nature of the fans and how right at home he feels because he is that type of player. And and he absolutely is. That's one of the reasons the Celtics went out to get him.
1: Yeah, I love it. And he hasn't even, you know, stepped on the court in front of all the fans to feel that energy, which is just gonna bring him more excitement. And it's, interesting. I didn't know he was from LA and to have Paul Pierce there, another person who was from LA and was a Laker fan and hated the Celtics, but to have him there, somebody who grew to learn to love the Celtics, um, he can kind of, you know, let him know what that background is and how that feels like to transition from being someone who was rooting for the Lakers uh, from time to time and fully embracing Boston and being a Celtic. I loved it.
0: Yeah. And not only somebody who grew up in LA and being a Lakers fan, but somebody who played against the Celtics at the highest Mm. level. Remember two seasons ago, the seven game knockdown drag out brawl between the Celtics and the bucks, which, you know, drew came out on the losing end, but he knows full well who the Celtics fans are. Listen to this description of us by our new point guard.
2: They're a bit crazy. I'm not going to lie to you. They they get rowdy. Um, They get in your face. Um, Definitely one of the best six men in the league, if not the best. Um, I love the aggression. Uh, I love the uh, the environment. I think they care more about hard work uh, on defense and and getting loose balls and stuff like that over maybe windmill dunks and and things of that nature. But, um, again, that's the type of guy I am. Um, I'm – uh, ten toes to the ground, and, and I'm going to push and, and grind as hard as I can. So um, the fans are, are literally insane, and, and I'm proud to be. <laughs> I'm proud to be a part of that, that uh, coming in this year. Wow!
0: Hey, Drew, do we just become best friends, Guillermo? This guy gets us. Oh man, I love it. You
1: can call me a Celtic crazy all you want. You can call me insane. I know a, lo- a lot of insane uh, Celtic fans. We love it. We Sounds Im-
0: like he likes it. Oh yeah, that aspect
1: of it. Oh yeah, I love it. I love it. He's only gonna feel the other side of it once he steps on the court wearing that Celtic green.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, what I like about this is there's so many things. I mean, Brad Stevens said that there are certain guys that you have a list of that just if they ever would become available, you want to get this guy. And you know, as we said. You know, Brad had been trying to get Drew Holiday. He had been begging Danny Ainge to try to get him. He is a perfect fit for the Celtics in so many ways. He's a perfect fit for us, the fans, because he embodies the blue-collar work ethic, the intelligence, the hustle, and, you know, if you were to look at the history of the Boston Celtics over the, the course of the 77 years that we've been in existence, there's probably two things that or three things that you would say that the Celtics are really famous for running teamwork and inclusion. And this guy embodies, you know, all of those things, but he really, I mean, he is a three-time NBA teammate of the year. Mm. And obviously he's a five-time all defensive team and a three-time all-star or two-time all-star, including last season. But the love affair that the fans are going to have with this guy started today in, in this press conference, because he understands the magnitude of what it means to play on the parquet and what you have to do to earn our love.
1: Yeah, I think he's definitely going to fit in quicker than Porzingis or any of the other guys that we've brought in. Um, I think he's going to be definitely one of those fan favorites. And he, like you said, he just gets it. I love that he's a gritty, grinded-out player. He's willing to do all those little things that your boy did for us. And I just think he, like I said, he's going to gel well with the guys. He already gets along with Tatum from the Olympics. Um, And I just think he's going to fit into and do whatever is necessary on any given possession and any given night.
0: Well, for those of you that don't know, Drew Holiday has two brothers that also play in the NBA. In fact, we played against his brother. I think it was, was it Justin Holliday last season playing for the Hawks? Mm. Um, he ha- he has a sister that played at UCLA, two brothers that played in the NBA. He comes from a family of athletes, but he is by far the best. And another among the other things that he talked about today in the press conference was how he's going to make our stars better. And you think, well, you know, obviously you you have a point guard that a great point guard makes everybody better. but one of the things he said is you look at a player like Jalen Brown and Jalen Brown, Guillermo, you remember after we lost game one against Philly last year, Jalen Brown said, no, we're not going to allow this to happen and started picking up full court Hmm. on James Harden. And that did help change the series, but it sort of took a lot out of him energy wise. And Drew said, if, Jalen doesn't need to do that as much with me here. I can do that I love and let him focus more on scoring. This is a guy who knows all of the nuances of the game, and he can do so many things well. Whether it's ball handling, taking some of the burden off of—I mean, it was just three weeks ago we were talking about Jalen or Jason Tatum having to be a point guard. Now we've got Drew Holiday, you know, seven and a half assists a game, and a guy who can bring the ball up get guys their shots in the spots they need them. He can post up. He can shoot the three. He can pick up full court. He can play weak side defense. This guy can do everything and all of the dirty work, and it's going to make everybody happy.
1: Yeah, and that's the biggest thing for me. Like you pointed out, the assists per game that he's able to contribute. And he's, like you said, he's going to make everybody else around him better. I think he's gonna bring something to the team to where even the bench can step in with their spot minutes and continue to you know hold the team down while players are sitting out for their rest or whatever it may be and there's no drop off because he's either in the game or helping coach up uh, the bench to make sure that it's a sustained uh, progress throughout the game and I just think He's one of the best acquisitions we've gotten as of late. He's definitely just capable of doing all the things, and he's only going to make us that much better.
0: We talked about him being a three-time teammate of the year. Statistically, you know, a pretty good player last year. Listen, this guy's no spring chicken. We get him maybe on the downside of his prime, similar to Kevin Garnett. <laughs> Yeah. And another similarity to Kevin Garnett is his emphasis on defense and his ability to make all four of his teammates on the floor better defensively by his mere presence. Last year, 19.3 points, 7.4 assists, five rebounds, and one and a half steals, which is the same as Marcus Smart, but Holiday was all defense. Uh, and similar to the arrival of Garnett, I'm, I do see a lot of similarities because when Garnett arrived – The culture of the team changed. And I think, you know, Drew Holiday matches Joe Missoula's intensity Mm. and his demeanor and the way that I think he wants to play defense. And I just think that, yeah, we lost a lot of depth, but we gained in talent and I think we gained in character. And really, when it comes down to it, and as we saw You know, in in the Golden State Series two years ago and in the Miami Series last year, character and metal matter more than talent.
1: Yeah, I mean, we know that the Jays aren't necessarily so vocal. I think he's definitely going to be a vocal point for the team. He's definitely going to be talking up, you know, different plays or different things that he's seeing on the court. Uh, He's going to be vital to Joe and the coaching staff. It's just a tremendous pickup, in my opinion. Yes, did we have to maybe give up more than we wanted to and let some pieces go that we necessarily may need down the line? Uh, But I think he's definitely going to put us over the top in helping the franchise as a whole. I'm excited to see what extension may happen I know he has the player option next year but I know there's been talks about extending him so I'm excited to see what that will look like as well
0: well you talked about what we gave up and we talked about this a little bit on Sunday in our quick reaction pod that we did I'd like to address it again because very difficult for Celtic fans a lot of Celtic fans to see these four guys go out the door and I'm talking about smart Grant Williams Brogdon and Rob Williams and and You know, Brogdon Williams, Grant Williams, well, all four of them really are great human beings, hard workers, and people that Celtic fans loved, and and they all really embodied kind of what we love in a player, Mm -hmm. but specifically the two guys the Blazers got. We we had to make this move, I think, for two reasons. One, Damian Lillard is now a Milwaukee Buck. We'll, We'll talk about him a little bit more in our third segment, but... That gave Milwaukee an edge that I don't know that we could have overcome without Marcus Smart. But two, Rob Williams cannot stay on the floor. I hope Rob Williams plays 75 games this year. I think we all know that's not going to happen. Yes, the Celtics have a depth issue at their their five now, but they can address that. We'll talk about that in our next segment. They still have ways that they can address that just like we did in 08. I mean, the Celtics had a very top-heavy roster in 08. And then as the season went along, they added a Sam Cassell. They added a P.J. Brown. And they just did that with free agent signings. The Celtics still have picks that they can trade, so they may still be able to add some big depth. And they might have needed to anyway, because Rob Williams just cannot stay on the floor, Guillermo.
1: Yeah, those are all valid points. And I believe Brad said, You know, he's not done. I don't think he's ever done. I think he's always full of surprises now that we've seen him in this GM role. Uh, We don't know what's coming or when it's coming. Uh, But everything that he's done, we've loved. I don't think he's had a miss yet on either a signing or a trade. Um, And we'll see what, you know, this team, as far as free agency, what the signings we've gotten, uh, pans out to be. But I think Brad has done a terrific job in pinpointing where we are weak as a roster and filling those needs as needed. Um, may We may need another big. We may not. I mean, now I think Al Horford, he maybe drops to the bench and then we have White and Holiday start in the backcourt. Um, so maybe you don't need another big uh, with the roster that we have right now, but I'm, I'm, I believe in Brad and what he may need to do if needed.
0: I believe in Brad and I believe in Joe Mazzula. And coming up in our next segment, has Joe Mazzula matured as a coach between season one and season two? It sure looks like it. What kind of starting lineups are the Celtics going to play? And how is Brad Stevens going to address our depth? We'll talk about those things and more next when we come back. You're listening to Lucky's Lounge. Stay with us. Yeah. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge, everybody, as we always do around this time of the show. want to thank you, the fans, for coming along with us in Lucky's Lounge and helping this podcast grow and spread the word about Celtic Nation. We have fans. We've got Asia, Guillermo. We've got Europe, the Americas, Australia. And now with a new Celtic player that we just signed, maybe we'll start getting some listeners in Africa too. But, uh, Guillermo, we've talked a little bit about Drew Holiday. Now let's talk about the rest of the team. Okay. Okay. Uh, Before we got Drew Holiday, there was a sense of purpose about this team because we've been seeing players coming into the facilities for a couple of weeks now, Guillermo.
1: Yeah, it's awesome to see players showing the initiative to get in the gym early together, start to build that camaraderie without coaches and uh, way before even training camp started. That's awesome to see. I know a lot of players were playing you know, pick up or training with Drew Hanlon on their game, different places within the country and across the world. But it's great to see them all in Boston, putting it together.
0: Jalen Brown said that this is the hardest he has worked in any off season in his seven years in the league. And it's not just Jalen Brown, Guillermo, Brad Stevens during media day talked about what he has seen, not just from the Jays, but from all the Celtics. Listen to this.
2: I've been lucky because in the last three or four weeks, we've had so many guys in the gym. They're doing small group work. They're playing open gym. So I've seen these guys, what they look like as far as how ready they are. And really positions, point guard through center, everybody's improved. And I'm excited about that.
0: Guillermo, if I know Brad Stevens, he is a very candid person. And so for him to say that, that is very promising. He doesn't just make stuff up or, or sugarcoat things. Some of these role players did get better, and you talked about this recently in one of our recent shows. The Celtics are going to need one, maybe two of these guys, these bench players, the Brissettes and Hausers of the world, to have improved significantly to replace the depth that we lost.
1: I mean, that's what you count on, on anybody in any team, Atmosphere. You need other people to step up and fill in roles, especially when you move on from other players. And to hear him excited and seeing that growth among the players and them doing it on their own. Right there, you're not able to do a lot of team functions um, within the team on the off season, but to do it on your own and give up, you know, your trips to Cancun to spend time in the gym or working on you know, reviewing film and seeing what you need to get better at. That's kudos to everybody in that locker room. And I'm glad to know that the team has gotten better amongst themselves and they're only going to get better once they're together.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, Brad was asked about the bigs and the perceived hole that we have in terms of depth with the loss of, of Rob Williams. And to a lesser extent, Grant Williams And he said, well, you know, everybody's gotten better who's been in here. But I think from a big standpoint, what we need right now is just someone with a motor. And I think that describes very well the Celtics' newest addition. Right before training camp, they signed former Los Angeles Lakers center Wenyan Gabriel, who played in the FIBA World Cup for South Sudan, 6'9 center, 7'1", wingspan, Gabriel has played on six NBA teams in his three-year NBA career, Sacramento, Portland, New Orleans, Brooklyn, and both LA teams. Last year, he played 68 games for the Lakers, and he averaged 15 minutes a game. Guillermo, what do you think about this guy?
1: I'm actually excited to have Wenyan Gabriel. I think that's where the team is kind of leaning towards, right, is – Those wingspans, those athleticism, we want to get it and go, especially with a guy like Drew Holiday. That guy pushes the ball. And I think we're going to run up and down the court against a lot of these teams. We're going to play better defense um, against a lot of these teams. And they won't be able to keep up with the offense that we're bringing night in and night out. And those are where you get the easy buckets, right? The teams aren't. Set in their defense, and that's when you can um, excel against those opportunities and ensure you get the little buckets, a little layup here and there, or you know you get a spot up three uh, from Hauser or any of these guys. I think Wenyin six nine athleticism. We got Lamar Stevens six seven again athleticism and defense. percent six eight athleticism and defense. And even Banton, Banton, yeah, he's 6'7", mostly point guard, but I think he can match up one through four. Same thing, athleticism and defense. With the Svee McKay look signing, I think that's more for shooting, but I'm sure he can, you know, make his stops from time to time when needed. So um, Hauser was great in defense, even though people thought they could pick on the white boy last year. I thought he was great (laughs) in defense, and I just think, It's going to be a different type of feel with the motor, like you said, that this team is going to have.
0: Yeah, this is what Brad said is, look, all we need with the team that we have now is a big man with a motor. Gabriel fits that mold. He may not be an elite rim protector, but he's 6'9", 7'1", wingspan, very similar body type, actually, to Rob Williams. Can't block shots like him. But maybe all you need is just a guy who's going to go out and get the ball or a guy who's going to show on pick and roll and be able to speed back to his man. So we'll see with Wayne Gabriel. He's not—he's never going to be an all-star in the NBA, but maybe he fits the bill.
1: And that's why you take also a flyer on somebody like Nami Esqueta. Like He's a seven-footer. He runs good. He jumps out the gym. Like we said, he's Rob-esque. So you take a flyer, see how he does in training camp in Maine, and develop him into what we need uh, when needed.
0: Yeah, Keda has the upside. I think Gabriel is the now, and Gabriel did impress enough people in the, in the FIBA World Cup playing for South Sudan that he was going to get a job somewhere, and, and we'll see what he does with Boston. From the GM, Brad Stevens, to the coach, Joe Mazzula, Brad loves him. And obviously thinks he's going to be a great coach. He showed a lot last year as he led the Celtics to historic heights in the first half of the season from an offensive standpoint. But this year is his second year. It's a chance for him to show what he has learned with all new assistant coaches that he has picked, and we'll see where he how he has matured as a coach. It's clear to me it's clear to me, Guillermo from the media day, that he will never be comfortable around cameras and microphones, <laughs> but, but he may be getting more comfortable as an NBA head coach. And he was asked, what does he think now about his statement last year about shooting 53 pointers a game? Remember him saying that?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So during media day, he was asked about that 53s a game. Does he think he's going to change? Listen to this.
2: Listen, like, three-pointers are an extremely important shot into the game, and if you look at our roster, we have nine guys that shoot over 38% from three, and we, have, we just acquired a center that is one of the best three-point shooters in the league and at his position. So it would be, it's going to be a strength of ours, our ability to shoot the ball. What we're able to take from last year is we have to have times where the three-point shot is an important for us. We have to make them. And then there's times that we have to play a little bit differently, whether it's in the fourth quarter or whether it's in close game situations. So the addition of Prozingas and, and Drew and all the guys that we have in our space Will allow us to get, you know, go to those post touch, try to get to the free throw line. But at the end of the day, if you look at our roster, there's two on ones all over the floor. We have to take the best possible
0: shot. And if that is a three, that's great. Uh, when it doesn't go in, we have to crash. And then in close games, we have to be able to make tough twos and we have to be able to get to the free throw line. Guillermo, to me, that sounds like a coach that learned from last year's playoffs. Do you think we will shoot fewer threes this year? What do you think?
1: I mean, it's tremendous to hear Joe's growth this second year around Uh, what we didn't get in the clip there is at the end, he wanted to shoot 55 threes this year.
0: (laughs) Well, well maybe he, maybe he didn't learn his lesson. Listen, um, the Celtics, as he pointed out, do have the personnel to launch 55 a game. I didn't realize that we had nine players that could shoot 38% or better. Did you Guillermo?
1: I didn't count up to nine, but I knew, especially with this Svee signing, that we definitely had some shooters on the team.
0: Let's count it. Let's count it. We got Svee. We got Hauser, Tatum, Brown, Drew, Mm -hmm. Derek, Al Horford, who I think was second in the NBA last year, Porzingis. Who am I missing? Heck, maybe I don't think Lamar Stevens shot 38. No. I mean, that's a lot of guys, and that, that may be more than any team, but I think more importantly is what he was talking about, the other things that they'll need to do. Remember the Miami series. I mean, they took our three-point shot away in many of those, at least three of those games, maybe four of those games, including the final game when we simply could not hit. And so the things that he talked about, getting to the foul line and post-ups. we got to be able to post, get high-percentage shots, and get to the free-throw line. And Porzingis talked about improving his game as a post-up mm-hmm, player. Mm-hmm. They were doing it today, you know, Wednesday in practice, they were working on post-ups. Drew Holiday can do it. Yep. Jalen Brown, if he's at the two, will dominate in the post. And with the Celtics go big, they should have that opportunity.
1: Yeah. And that's what I love what KP is bringing to the team is that post-up easy bucket. Cause I think at times, yes, we had the pick and roll with Time Lord and, you know, throw him a little lob to get that easy bucket. But sometimes we were fighting a little too hard to get just those two points to just settle down, stay consistent, and just have a little breather uh, with the, you know, the Jays who are, you know, fighting hard to get their their shot off. But I think KP's going to bring that and like you said, Holiday will back down anybody, just as Smart did when he was in that point guard role for us. And I think getting to the free throw line is going to be key. I think if Tatum, Brown, shoot, Holiday, even KP, because you're going to have to follow me 7-3. Um, these guys get to the free throw line even more this year. And, of course, knock them down because they're free. Um, it's only going to make the Celtics offense that much better uh, with the breathers that they get when they're shooting free throws.
0: Just going off on a completely random tangent here uh, (laughs) today in in the Brooklyn, Ben Simmons made 10 free throws in a row in front of the media. So if he can do it, we can do it. Uh, But you know what? Free throws, sorry for that. I just thought that was, (laughs) that's like a solar eclipse. I thought I had to mention that, but uh, you know, spacing gets you that because the Celtics with their lineup will have such great spacing that you could have Tatum or Brown or drew any one of them. Basically with a defender on an Island, which usually leads to foul fouls. And if you get late help, there's often fouls there. So I expect Mm -hmm. the free throw rate for both Tatum and Brown to increase. And even some of our other guys.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially with these teams that want to throw double teams I mean, you're definitely putting your players out there on the island if you throw a double team to any of the Jays or shoot even Porzingis if needed. You put in these guys on ice skates, and that's a guaranteed possible foul right there.
0: You know, the one thing that the holiday trade, you you touched on it in the first segment. People are thinking, well, what lineup is Mm. Coach Missoula going to use? And John Corrales asked – Missoula, that question. Are you going to go with our elite backcourt defensively of Holiday White and then go Brown and go with the Jays at forwards and Porzingis at center? Or are you going to put White on the bench and go double bigs? And I liked what I heard from Joe Missoula. He said, It depends. We're going to use whichever lineup we think works best for that particular game. And I think the Celtics are mature enough in terms of the veteran nature of this lineup now and the players that they have, I don't think that drew holiday or Derek white really care if they start or come off the bench. And I think the same could be said for Al Horford. So there will be nights where Porzingis is the center and you have an elite dog backcourt, a couple of bulldogs in white and holiday. And there'll be other nights where you go big and you have Jalen Brown dominating, you know, smaller two guards in the post and you have, you know, Al Horford and Porzingis in there. So I think, you know, Missoula was right not to be committal and say, look, we can, we can do a lot of different lineups. Most teams won't do that, but the Celtics will, and I don't think any feathers will be ruffled because of it.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of the issues from last year. I know I touched on it on one of the podcasts, but, you know, we had those fourth quarters where who sits out? White, Brogdon, Smart? We didn't really know what to do in those situations. And I think with the players willing to do whatever it takes, especially because we don't have those tenured players who say, you know, this is my team. I should be starting or should be out there. I think everybody's just going to gel and do whatever is necessary for that game in that moment. And there's not a lot of bigs to go against against in the league anymore. You know, like we said, Rob was six, nine, 69. six, nine, the center position is a six, nine, heck even sometimes six, six uh, with some certain players and how they play, but you're not going to need th- those bigs night in and night out.
0: Yeah. Maybe not night in and night out, but as long as Joel Embiid is, is lurking in the East, you do have to have that size. The Celtics do. And that's why we match up pretty well with them more than, some of the other teams. Another team that's very big is Milwaukee. So I like the flexibility that the Celtics have. Uh, another thing that Joe Mazzulla has done in year two is he sent out an email to all of the Celtics legends. Mm, I love saying, this. Saying I'd like to see you guys. You guys are always welcome in the Auerbach Center. You're always welcome in the Garden. Please come in and and feel free to talk to our players and and have your presence around the team. And this is something that from the time that Wick Grusbeck owned the team, bought the team, Danny Ainge and Doc Rivers, you know, made it clear that those guys were welcome. And and it's something that makes the Celtics, the Celtics, because you never knew when Bill Russell, for instance, or John Havlicek would be in the facility. They used to always be around coming in and talking to players. Now that those guys have moved on to the, you know, Causeway street in the sky, now it falls to some of the, the younger legends. And one of those was at practice today. That was Paul Pierce. And he has not only been at the Auerbach Center today, and not only was Garnett and Pierce with some of the guys watching Coach Prime in Boulder this past weekend, but, you know, Jason Tatum has been locked at the hip with Paul Pierce all summer, Guillermo.
1: Yeah. He helped Paul Pierce get in shape, lose about 10 to 15 pounds. It's always good and great. Like you said, we saw Havlicek show up. We saw uh, Russell from time to time. It's always great to see those former Celtics come back, especially those that have that shiny, beautiful ring to kind of display to these guys and and let them know what it took to get it and let them know about Boston and how they're going to be embraced I truly appreciate Paul Pierce doing that and and I hope more Celtics come to practices and games. And something Eddie House said, who, you know, now is a commentator for the Celtics or on NBC Sports Boston, mm-hmm. it it starts from day one from these guys. And then it's night in, night out, setting the tone, being consistent, and and just getting over those long lags of the 82 game season, building that camaraderie and just getting over the hump this year.
0: Well, you mentioned, you know, working out in the gym and, and Paul Pierce got some gains in the gym. Paul Pierce was never known for his physique like Jason Tatum is. Um, but Tatum and and Paul worked out in the, in the weight room, they worked out on the court. But I think where the real benefit comes in is the wisdom that he imparts to Jason Tatum Mm -hmm. in terms of talking to him about what he can do on the game, what he can do in playoff games. And in Media Day, Tatum talked about some of the things that Paul Pierce told him about being a champion. Listen to this.
2: I think just, you know, all the little things that he took away from his championship team in 08 and just, you know, how close you have to be as a unit and, you know, how... You need other guys to feel right, you know, important um, and which they are, but just how you need everybody on the team, uh, you know, to help win a championship. Because one series, you know, somebody might be the X factor that's, you know, different from the next series, but, you know, they all add up. And um, just all the stories that he was telling me and, and, you know, every um, team meeting and things they did off the court as a group and uh, just things that made that O.H. team so special.
0: That is just great stuff there from the truth. And and it's it's absolutely a fact that that Celtics team in 2008 needed everybody. It wasn't just Pierce, Garnett, and Ray. I mean, P.J. Brown hitting a clutch game-winning shot mm. to knock out the Cavs. Leon Poe going off in game two of the finals against the Lakers. It was everybody had to step up, but it, it came from the leadership of the big three, and particularly Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, and also the belief that they had in their teammates and that they showed. And so Jason Tatum is still learning on the fly as a leader. I do think that the addition of Drew Holiday couldn't have come at a better time for Brown and Tatum because it takes a little bit of the pressure off them. But it's things like this that players like KG and Paul and other Celtics legends can give. And and that's why I like what Missoula did here. I want to see a lot of legends in the facility.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be a next man up. You never know if somebody needs a night off or, you know, has to sit down for rest or, you know, God forbid an injury happens. You got to be ready to go. You're an NBA player. You know what type of team you've been brought on, uh, which is a, a contending team. You got to be ready to go. And another thing I heard from Eddie is, you know, you got to find what the coach wants from you in your role and you got to be the best player you can be in that role so when it comes time you're ready to come in and perform and contribute to the team I remember some of those Eddie threes that were clutch in those playoff series as well
0: yeah that's right and that's somebody that really embraced that he knew his job was basically catch and shoot and and he was the best at that among the bench players, or at least in the NBA, he, he, maybe he wasn't as good as Ray Allen at that, mm. but he did the best that he could at doing that. And and that's what the Celtics need out of some of the names that we've already mentioned on this. We don't need big time scoring. We don't need uh, elite rim protection. We just need them to to fill a certain role, depending on what their position is. And look, I mean, last year, I, I hate to keep bringing this up this series, but I mean, look at what that kid did. Was it Caleb Martin for Miami? Uh I mean, if you have bench players that have stars that believe in them, because Jimmy Butler was telling him, no, man, this is your show. Go out and do this. That, That goes a long, long way. And we saw that in 2008 with Leon Poe. I mean, Kevin Garnett sitting there cheerleading him on, and the guy goes for 21 points. Most people in the NBA, most fans watching the finals on ABC back then, were like, "Who is this Poe guy?" But the, they were calling him Pow. I even think that uh, the announcers yeah. have mispronounced his name. Yeah. But you know, as long as the stars believe in you, you can you can show out, and and that's great advice that Paul gave. And I think we have some players that have the capability to surprise a lot of people this season, Guillermo.
1: No, I definitely do. And I what I like about what the signings have brought is they're NBA players who have played multiple seasons. Some have played with multiple teams. And so they they kind of get what the NBA is already. It's not a young guy. It's somebody, maybe not a vet, but somebody who's been around. And then when they, it's a culture change and it's time to contend and Be the best you can be. This is the time for it in your career. You're not going to get more opportunities like this. This is a small window that you have to excel in. So you're going to want to be the best player you can be right now in your life so that you can make an impact on this team.
0: A lot of these players, Guillermo, it's a great point. They come in here, they're making the minimum salary. right. They're on their seventh team or their fifth team or their fourth team. And maybe those other teams weren't contenders. Mm -hmm. You know, Steve Michalik comes from the Hornets to the Celtics. Um, And so for him, you know, he's not making a ton of money, but this is his chance to win a championship and, and contribute on a team that has a chance to do something special. One other common denominator that a lot of these guys have, it looks like to me, it seems like, the Gabriels, the Michalics, the Bantons, the, the the players that we've brought in, the Stevens in particular, seems like these are some as Rick Patino used to call them Stavin dogs. These guys are <laughs> these guys are hungry.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I definitely agree with that. I mean, look at Brissett. He came from the Pacers. I mean, the Raptors weren't much less. You know, a couple seasons after Kawhi left, so Banton from the Raptors. Yeah, Wenyan came from L.A. where they made a run last year. So, like like you said, these guys have it in them to be dogs and go after it this year. Carve to a role for themselves because even amongst themselves, they got to figure out how they're going to get time on the court and beat out one another because there are guys who have already been here like a Pritchard, like a Hauser, and they're already kind of – know what they bring to the team. So how do you even compete, not only amongst yourselves, but amongst the players who are already
0: here? Oh, there's going to be major competition, and it starts just three nights from now as the Celtics will be hosting the Philadelphia Sixers. Uh, I think that game is at the Garden, and it's on ESPN. So if you can make it out to the Garden, that is a 6 o'clock start Sunday night, or it'll be on ESPN, and we can see all the competition we talked about the role players and how hungry they are and how appreciative they are of the opportunity. But how about another one of the stars lost in all of the hype and hoopla maybe a little bit of the Drew Holiday acquisition was Kristaps Porzingis. I mean, <laughs> yes. what a what a foundational move this could be for the Celtics. And on during media day Porzingis You know, this is a guy who's been an NBA All-Star. He's making about $30 million a year. He's a national hero in his home country of Latvia. But all of that pales in comparison to being a Boston Celtic. Here's what Kristaps had to say about getting here and putting on the green and white. Listen to this. That's what matters is winning. I had uh, different opportunities to go somewhere else and
2: maybe have a bigger role and, and maybe even make more money. But I wanted to come here. I wanted to come to Boston just because of the opportunity to play in such a uh, iconic organization with great players that are already here that are very close. And, and now that I'm here, it's you know it's a incredible feeling.
0: Good vibes are the theme there at the Auerbach Center. KP, just like. A lot of the other guys, Drew Holiday, everybody else just feeling very good about the team and about representing the city of Boston. It's kind of like, this is kind of like, Porzingis was like the Ray Allen. He was the first domino to fall. And then later on, we got the, the culture changing, you know, great teammate, great defender and Drew Holiday. I mean, I see so many parallels. I don't want to jinx it. Porzingis is no slouch and it's... It's interesting to note that he had some choice in this. You know, they all Drew Holiday had some choice in where he got to go based on his veteran tenure. He he had Boston at the top of his list and so did Porzingis. Porzingis doesn't come here unless he gets an extension. That was all worked out before the deal. Same thing with Drew Holiday. The Celtics will be working on an extension for him, but both of these guys were traded here because they wanted to be here above all of the other teams, Guillermo.
1: Yeah, I think with the vets who have played against this team uh, night in and night out throughout a season for multiple seasons, they're seeing what the Celtics bring in terms of winning, right? Three Eastern Conference Finals, one Finals appearance. And then just the guys that they have on this team with the Jays, and then wanting to help get over the hump. They want to win just like they've seen the winning happening here, but not getting to the ultimate prize. And so they want to be part of getting to that ultimate prize. And they want to be in a, on a team, on a franchise that has that foundation of winning and that history. And they want to be part of making history. Um, So I'm glad he's excited to be a Celtic. I feel like all of these guys feel like it's like a a new school, a new first day of school for them as the season, you know, started with training camp. Uh, They probably all had their, you know, jerseys or workout clothes laid out on the bed ready for the next day. And I think there's three things that have definitely called my attention throughout all of the media that we've been able to see. Um, It's commitment. It seems like everybody's committed to doing it together. There's an excitement. Everybody's excited to get this season started and get the ball rolling in training camps. And then defense. Uh, Everybody's excited to play defense, be one of the best defensive teams like we were last year and not have any drop-off. And that comes from the top down with the Jays talking about defense. So those three words come to mind when starting off for this season is commitment, excitement, and
0: defense. 100%. And one of the best defensive players in the NBA, Derek White, commented on that. And he actually said, you know, we didn't talk about defense as much last season. He he Mm. sort of, he almost conceded that, we fell off a little bit defensively. Remember, when we went to the finals, we were the best defensive team in the NBA. We were not last year. And he said, you know, we sort of fell off a little bit, but now we have the personnel. We're talking about it more. And it seemed to me that, that Derek White was foreshadowing a return by the Celtics to the elite defensive teams of the NBA, which we were not last season for most of the season but we very easily could be again with the additions that we've made not only players like Porzingis and Drew Holiday but also the Brissettes and the Bantons and the and the Gabriels of the world
1: yeah i think defense is going to be key for this team uh you know i i want to take it one at a game at a time cap but i foresee a lot of games where you know hopefully the jays and Uh, Drew Holiday and Porzingis don't really have to play too much of the fourth quarter and the rest of the guys are able to, you know, get some minutes in because of the defense and what they've been able to do the first three quarters of a game.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is going to be key. Uh, And again, let, let's definitely take it one game (laughs) at a time. October 25th, Madison square garden, the Celtics, against the New York Knicks. When we come back, Lucky's List will go to New York and hear from the Knicks about the excitement of a big reunion in the Big Apple. We'll also go around the NBA, visit some of the other training camps, and we also find out something about Derek White that we didn't know before Media Day, and it's something that I think we can all appreciate. Stay tuned. You are listening to Lucky's Lounge. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge, the podcast for Boston Celtic fanatics all over the world. And Guillermo, now it's time for Lucky's List. Our first item on Lucky's List today, the Boston Celtics have a favorite college football team. And it's not the Eagles of Boston College, Guillermo. Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes, you know, we knew that they were the favorite team of Derek White, but it looks like the Celtics writ large are embracing Coach Prime.
1: Yeah, it was awesome to see Jalen Brown join him out there uh, in Boulder, Colorado, and then also seeing two Celtic legends, you know, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce attend the game and them all be around each other out there. Uh, it was great to see.
0: Well, and another Celtic legend, Derek White, who, you know, is often seen on Twitter asking people, where can we watch the Buffs here in Boston? Uh, he was, We learned from Jalen Brown that Derek White, goes very hard with his college football fan experience in terms of tailgating and whatnot. Um, Apparently he was lit at 10 AM ready for the game. Uh, But it's, it's good to see. And we also learned on media day that Jalen Brown has issued and he's given an open invitation to Deion Sanders to come to the garden and attend a Celtics game. Look, if we've had the, uh, the Prince, you know, Prince Charles or Prince Edward, whoever that guy was last year, (laughs) I guess we could have Coach Prime. Heck, let's invite Taylor Swift.
1: I mean, yeah, I was at that game where Prince uh, and the Duchess were there. Um, So it was awesome to have that in the building. It created a little bit of an atmosphere uh, on top of what the Celtics fans bring. Um, But, yeah, definitely if we get to see Prime time in the building, I'm sure the players will want to show out for him, uh, and the, the crowd will go crazy for it.
0: I also think that you know Joe Missoula might allow Prime to come in and give a locker room speech. I mean, this guy has these, these young men in Boulder breathing fire coming out of the locker room, and uh, maybe he could give the Celtics a speech prior to uh, their game against Miami coming up uh, the second game of the season. Uh, item number two on Lucky's list, and we talk about buzz and hype. It's pretty big here in Boston. It's even bigger up in Wisconsin as Damian Lillard is now a Milwaukee Buck. And on his media day in Milwaukee, he talked about fitting in with the Bucks and his new role.
2: I am who I'm going to be. You know, it's just a matter of how well I can take care of myself, Um, you know, how sharp I can be. And, you know, just whatever that situation was, just being able to um, get my feet on the ground and then start, you know, locking into it and understand what what our purpose is, what's expected of me, what what kind of basketball we going to play. What what kind of personnel are we going to have? And um, I think coming into this situation is um, very, very easy. You know, you look at somebody like Giannis, you look at Chris, you look at Brooke, you look, you know, when I looked at the roster, it was very easy for me to make sense of you know, what my job is going to be.
0: Guillermo, pretty humble, pretty vanilla. You know, a lot of cliches in there, but I think that's what you want. Don't give a lot of people bulletin board material. Damian Lillard knows that the expectations are championship or bust, and it looks like he's ready to deliver on that.
1: Yeah, now he has a lot riding on his shoulders, especially with them moving on from Drew Holiday, who helped them win a championship. Uh, So... It's going to be a lot on him. I think him and Giannis will play really well together on a pick and roll. I'm just intrigued to see how the rest of the team fits around those two. And also, Middleton, is he going to be healthy for them the whole season? And how does he get the ball in his hands when those two are really ball dominant
0: players? It will be interesting. To see. Item number three on Lucky's List, and it involves another Eastern rival and indirectly involves the Bucks. So go down to Miami, and first of all, Jimmy Butler showing up on media day looking like Andre 3000 um, with his emo look. If you haven't seen it yet, Google Jimmy Butler hair, and you'll see what he showed up looking like for training camp, along with pierced eyebrows. I mean, a really bizarre look. But he had some things to say. He basically said, look, the Heat are going to win the championship. I'm happy for Damian Lillard, but I'm mad that he went to Milwaukee because I don't like the fact that Coach Adrian Griffin got him. Apparently, from his days in Chicago, Adrian Griffin and Jimmy Butler do not see eye-to-eye. Look for the Miami-Milwaukee games to be very heated, Guillermo.
1: Yeah, I think they will definitely be spicy especially with all the rumors of Lillard going to the Heat in this offseason. It should be intriguing to see those two, you know, battle. But I I really don't see the Heat getting that far this year. They didn't really add to that team. They lost pieces. And just like him saying, I don't want to touch, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals trophy, I'll touch the next one and then not even winning a game. Um, I don't see him, you know, getting over the hump to win a championship this
2: year.
0: You know, it's funny. They lost the first play-in game last year and almost lost the second one to the Bulls. And then they went through the three best teams in the East. Uh, So I've learned not to underestimate Jimmy Butler or the Heat. And we'll just see what happens. Uh, But I am rooting for Jimmy Butler and the Heat against the Bucks. And uh, we'll just sort of see what happens there. Item number four, a team that is flying under the radar in the Eastern Conference, but I don't think people should sleep on them. And that's our opening night opponent, the New York Knickerbockers, who have a lot of continuity, Guillermo. But one addition that they made, which has people in Villanova, Philadelphia area, pretty happy Villanova reunion. They signed Dante DiVincenzo to pair him up with Jalen Brunson. And uh, Josh Hart, and here he is talking about his reunion with his college buddies.
2: Yeah, Jalen, um, Facetime Jalen and Josh. Um, Jalen was dancing, um, so, but that's you know that's Jalen fashion. Um, Josh making jokes, so, but it was good to see you know them kind of excited and relieved that I was you know joining them again.
0: Kind of a good news story there, Guillermo. It's all, always nice to have friends that you played with before but it's more than friends. These players know themselves, know each other very well, and the Knicks know each other very well. I mean, R.J. Barrett has played with Julius Randle for a number of years now. This is a team that owned the Celtics last year, three and one against us. Should we be worried about the Knicks?
1: It's a cute story for them. I'm (laughs) happy they were able to reunite um, on the Knicks. That's awesome for them. I think... Matchup-wise, there'll always be a certain type of grit and grind in a matchup that kind of drives the Celtics crazy. It'll be interesting to see with the team and the makeup now that we have. But the team last year definitely, and I think even the year before, uh, had those issues with the Knicks. Uh, remember the year before, before we went on that hot streak to get to the Finals, that buzzer beater by Barrett is what kind of turned the season around for us. So I think we'll definitely continue to have that push-pull with the Knicks. But once it comes playoff times, you know, those guys don't show up. So I, I, I think it's cute for them. It's awesome for them. Good little story. Uh, but I don't see them really, you know, putting up that fight in the playoffs.
0: Well, I, I certainly hope that the coaching staff of the Knicks does not play Guillermo's comment in the locker room <laughs> the word cute uh, it would definitely piss off some of the Knicks players hey, by the way they have four Villanova players former Celtic Ryan Archie how am I how do you say this Archie Denoco the arch of dimes another guard there so they've basically got four Villanova guards on their roster. I don't know if there's room for any other colleges in their backcourt, but it is a cute story. I am not going to sleep on them based on what I saw last year. Item number four, the Philadelphia 76ers, not training in Pennsylvania. They're training in Colorado, or Fort Collins, Colorado, the home of Colorado State University. Not a lot of strip clubs out there, so I don't think James Harden is too happy having to trek out there for training camp. Uh, He finally showed up after missing the first couple of days there. He missed media day and the first practice. He did go through workouts on Wednesday, and it is a huge distraction. It was something that Nick Nurse could not really gloss over. It's clearly something that everybody in the organization is concerned about. But some of the Sixers are happy because Nick Nurse is bringing a a fresh outlook to the team and and I wanted to play this clip for you Guillermo this is daniel house talking about the difference between old school doc rivers and new school nick nurse listen to this
2: no it's just it's just a lot more more uh, selfless basketball it's not so much so much of uh, two guys having a ball doc is two uh, two guys ball dominant nick nurse is everybody play together everybody work for each other no cut to get your brother open shot so You can see the difference
0: night and day. And Guillermo, that style of play kind of fits what they've got right now because they may have to get rid of James Harden. So it really is going to have to be a free-flowing team style, don't you think?
1: Yeah, those guys are definitely going to have to band together and pick one another up throughout the season and throughout each and every game. I think everybody that they've brought on this year, even like a Pat Bev and Oubre, they're all going to have to contribute. Um, and I think it's hopefully for them, it's going to go a long way. I I just think if they don't have Harden to go through the playoffs, they're not going to get something back that's of the Harden ilk. And they're going to have a drop off if they don't retain Harden somehow.
0: Well, they are going to have a drop off, but I almost feel like they just need to get rid of him. I mean, I know that Daryl Morey is saying we're not getting rid of him unless we get a piece yeah. that and, a, you know, a pick and a young player that can help us because we can't have a drop off. I mean, James Harden has made it clear he's going to make it difficult for them. And when he does that, you know, I, I know he led the league in assists last year. I know what kind of player he is offensively. Heck, you and I saw it last year in game one uh, when when he single handedly beat us in the first game of the Eastern Conference semis. But this is not that James Harden. This is the James Harden that wears fat suits and doesn't go all out in drills and and basically sets a really poor example. I think Philadelphia has got to move him sooner rather than later. And, you know, it was interesting because in his comments on Media Day, Joel Embiid used the words lost season. He said, we can't have a lost season. Mm. But the fact that those words even came out of his mouth tells me that He's not in a good place, and the Sixers are kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't.
1: Yeah, and uh, I even know he took to X and said a comment, like something about having a good offseason with the LOL at the end.
0: Yeah, what Be- a great offseason.
1: Right. Yeah. So, like, he's seeing what the Bucks are doing. He's seeing what the Celtics are doing and trying to just further themselves and distance themselves away from the teams who are contending to being a contender. And to see the Sixers maybe not doing as much or just small tweaks here and there, I know his excitement level isn't as high. And I know he's also rumored to, you know, maybe leave uh, the Sixers if, just like Giannis was saying, there's no winning attitude within the organization.
0: Yeah, they're in a tough spot, but I, I think they might want to just move on from James Harden. Even if they had to send him home and, and take, the, take the gap there at that position, I think they might even be better off. Um, that's my opinion. I, don't, I think at this point, because he's not all in, I don't think he gives you enough there. Uh, final item here in Lucky's List, and we're talking about the former Celtics. First in Portland. Rob Williams and Malcolm Brogdon going through workouts and practicing for the Trailblazers. And so Malcolm Brogdon is, at least to start out, going to start the season with the Trailblazers. I think that's a win for that young team, Guillermo.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think he's a veteran who, you know, will help some of those young guys like we talked about. uh, Simons and Sharp and Henderson, those guards. I think they can rely on somebody like uh, Brogdon. And I think to have a battle between, you know, Aiton and Rob Williams, you know, in practice, and maybe even have them line up, you know, on double bigs um, from time to time, that's going to be great for the the organization. And the, and the biggest thing I think it helps is uh, Grant. I think Grant is going to, Really take ownership of this team because of the young, the youth that it has, and lean mm-hmm. on a player like Aiton who you know was able to reach the finals and hopefully you know get them you know in in the play in this year.
0: Yeah, Jeremy Grant, who also is probably no doubt on the trading block, does have an opportunity to get a lot of shots, obviously, but also have a big role in helping to shape these young players. Uh, DeAndre Ayton calling himself Dominayton during media day. Uh, this team is one to watch in the Western Conference as one that is quickly ascending. And and who knows, if Brogdon stays with the team this year, they could be a playoff team. Finally, uh, let's go to Memphis. And one thing that came out of the NBA offices this week was that Ja Morant, he of the... Uh, I guess the Glock or the the Sig Sauer fame, um, will be allowed to practice and travel with the Grizzlies during his 25-game suspension. And Marcus Smart was asked by a local television station on Media Day what NBA players thought of the new in-season tournament. Here's what Marcus had to say. How do the players feel about the in-season tournament and the opportunity to win another trophy other than the Larry O'Brien Trophy? Uh being
2: completely honest, nobody cares about that. It's the big one that we <laughs> care
0: about. God, I love that man. I mean, he was my favorite player as a Celtic, and he is my favorite non-Celtic player. Truer words were never spoken. NBA players don't care about that. This isn't, you know, somebody in the league office said, you know, they have this thing in European soccer where there's tournaments during the season and. You know, there's extra trophies to be awarded. Let's just not not do that. Uh, You you know how I feel about this, Guillermo.
1: Yeah, I know how you feel. We all know how you feel, and especially hearing it from your boy, that's just a one-up for you. But for me, I am excited for the excitement that it's bringing to at least the start of this regular season. It's something new, something different. The games mean a little bit more. Um, So I'm intrigued by it. I think he doesn't speak for all the players. I think there are some players who, you know, may enjoy it. And there may be some young teams who really shoot for it, like the Trailblazers or the Rockets or the Spurs, you know, these teams that are trying to build something. And maybe that's a foundational piece for them is to go out there and go win the play-in tournament. I am um, I think the Celtics are going to win both the play-in tournament and the Larry O'Brien trophy. But again, uh, yeah,
0: I don't hear you. I don't hear you. I don't care about that. I, I hope, first of all, if they do win the play-in tournament, that means they had to play 83 games. And that means that they probably played their stars in that final. As we tweeted out, and as you can tell, as I tweeted out yesterday, <laughs> could not care less about in-season tournament. Just go 6-0 and and rest everyone in our final. And here's our lineup. Davison, Scrub, Hauser, Walsh, and Gabriel for that, for that seventh game.
1: <laughs> not going to happen. Not going to happen. I doubt the players get there and then say, yeah, just throw out the bench players and not make the full amount of money that they can go buy or watch with or uh, just even have that claim to fame to be the inaugural in-season tournament winner. Um, I think what better team to win that than you know the f- franchise of the Boston Celtics, and that'll just be you know s- an icing no. on the cake when no. we you know go this, forth in the playoffs.
0: This reminds me of you know g- players from the Sacramento <laughs> Kings wearing their summer league championship oh, yeah. t-shirts. Or, or rings. No, we are the Celtics. Let's not even, I'll tell you who's going to be in that final probably is going to be the Philadelphia 76ers. Because once James Harden finds out that the two teams in the final will be playing uh-huh. in Las Vegas, uh-huh. you know, he might have with extra money. Yeah. He might say, well, shoot, you know, if it's in Vegas, okay. And then, and then during those tournament games in in October and November, he's going to ball out. And then when he gets to Vegas, he's going to say, can I get my bonus money in ones, please? (laughs) Uh,
1: No, again, I think it's for the league. I think bringing that intrigue at the start of the season, when you have to, you know, battle with hockey starting and football going on. I think it's great for the league as a whole, uh, just to try something different to bring, you know, more eyes to the league.
0: I think another thing they're trying to do with that location of Las Vegas Mm. is that you know, obviously they've they've had a lot of success with the summer league, yeah, and the WNBA is having success. In fact, the Aces on Sunday will start uh, that game one of the WNBA Finals. They will be looking to repeat as WNBA champions. Uh, But the NBA is looking at Vegas, I think, as a potential expansion market or if things continue to go South for the city of Portland in terms of the crime and all the wealth leaving that, that particular city because Portland is kind of rotting. uh, They may decide to move the trailblazers to Las Vegas, or there could be another team. I mean, it's looking very viable. We now have an NFL franchise there. The Oakland A's are moving there and the Raiders, you know, the Raiders are, are their stadium is incredible. So, You know, why not move the NBA there? I think Adam Silver's looking at this midseason tournament as kind of a dry run.
1: Yeah, I definitely could see that. Um, I know expansion has been talked about, but I don't see any expansion anytime soon. But who knows, maybe within the next five years, they can be expanding to Las Vegas and Seattle, possibly coming back to the league.
0: Well, that's my Captain Ron predict- prediction there is you could see the Trailblazers going there, even though they have incredible fans in Portland and I would hate to see it. Um, if you've been to Portland anytime recently, uh, it's, it's not a pretty picture. Well, final thoughts, Guillermo, about the Celtics as we wrap this podcast. There is a lot of good vibes going on. The coaching staff, the players, the fans. Um, before I pour cold water on that, what do you have to say?
1: Oof, I'm scared of the cold water you're going to bring. But um, I'm just excited like the players are. I'm ready for Sunday to tip the ball off and see some of these guys out there and starting to put it together. Um, I'm afraid of, you know, any injuries that may bite us. I believe in Brad and what he will continue to, you know, do to make this team better. And I'm excited for Coach Joe and the staff that he has, I think they're going to be great this year.
0: I agree with everything you just said. And um, I I do have tremendous positive feelings about what, what I have seen out of media day, what, what I'm reading, the comments made by Steve Pagliuca and Wick Grusbeck, Brad Stevens, Joe Missoula, and all the players. It is different this year. And it's probably a vibe that we haven't seen maybe since 2007. So I think that is all very good. I will just say this, though. Um, and this is probably because I'm spending too much time on X because there's a <laughs> lot of idiots on X and not just, you know, idiots from South Florida or other places. You got to play the season. Yes. And the Denver Nuggets are the NBA champions. Mm-hmm. The Milwaukee Bucks are loaded. And there are, there are several other teams that are, have a viable chance You know, you're not given anything in this. In 2008, you know, despite the, you know, we won 66 games, the Celtics were taken to seven games by the Atlanta Hawks at young Al Horford pushing us to seven. Um, Seven games against the Cavs where it took, you know, P.J. Brown sticking an incredible shot, Paul Pierce beating LeBron to a loose ball. I mean, we were inches away from getting knocked out by the Cavs. And you know, there's just nothing given in this league. The Celtics are going to have to go out and take it. You you got to love their roster, but there are just so many variables. So I'm I'm not making any predictions. I'm just saying we we are set up nicely, but now they got to go out and do it. Uh, what about uh, training camp battles, Guillermo? You looking for? Is there any specific battle you're looking to see next week as we start to play games?
1: Uh, to be honest, I'm thinking about the last few guys that were brought on. So uh, Stevens and Mikalik. I want to see what they're competing for because I think Brissette, he was signed first. So I think he already kind of has a niche probably amongst the coaching staff of where, how he's going to fit and where he's going to fit. But I want to see Svee, Mikalik. Lamar Stevens, go after it and see how they can compete to get minutes on the floor.
0: That will be an interesting battle, and I'll include Sam Hauser in that battle. And also, for me, what I'm going to be looking at is Nemius Keda and Wenyan Gabriel. Those two guys, the Portuguese big man who has a lot of promise, and the South Sudanese big man who, uh, like I said, is never going to be an all-star, but has a tremendous motor these guys are fighting for jobs. They're fighting for spots. It starts Sunday night at How 6 How about PM. Walsh? I think Walsh is uh, – we all want to see Walsh, but we know his spot is secure in that he's not battling anybody. He's kind of the Swiss Army knife. But, yeah, let's see Walsh. Let's see what he can do. Sunday night, 6 o'clock at Boston Garden or on ESPN, Celtics against Joel Embiid, James Harden in the fat suit, the 76ers. Monday night at Madison Square Garden playing the Knicks. So you're probably going to see some players rested for one or the other of those games. And then Wednesday night, again, against the Philadelphia 76ers, this time at Wells Fargo Center, Guillermo. We got a lot of basketball ahead.
1: I'm ready for tip-off. What does that mean for Lucky's Lounge on Wednesday night, then?
0: That means, uh, well, I don't think we want to be recording, so we'll be watching the game uh, at Wells Fargo Center you can you can hear us coming up either late Thursday night early Friday so one day later next week and we hope to have you all joining us we want to thank you for joining us this week and uh we're all looking forward like you are to the Celtics playing basketball again I'm you know the the Red Sox are out the Patriots are up against the ropes the the referees given us a standing eight count so it's all about the Celtics right now and We will see you next Friday here on Lucky's Lounge for Guillermo Diaz. I am Captain Ron Flanders. Thank you for joining us. Let's go Celtics.